Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business, Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to amplify their voices. Today's guest is Kati Gustasby. Did I say that correctly, Kati? You sure did, as close as you can. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> I know Susan is a rather common, easy to say name, but I try to do my best to honor <laughs> um, my guests. So well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, um, you know, I'm in the story development business, working in personal branding. So that's one of my favorite questions. And everyone freaks out when they have to answer that and they don't know what to say. So here's my little bit of a story uh, abbreviated for our for your listeners. So I'm a refugee. Uh, we immigrated to the US in 1979. Uh, during the Iranian Revolution, we thought we were leaving for two weeks. So we packed two suitcases because uh, we just had to get out of the country. We weren't a Muslim and we thought we had to leave for a little bit. So um, I was six then and I got to grow up in the Midwest because we obviously never went back. And um, I always wanted to save the world by becoming a lawyer, specifically a securities lawyer. And as a public speaker, when I tell my audiences this, they all want to laugh because apparently no one saves the world by becoming a lawyer. But regardless, <laughs> um, I got to do that. So I had what everyone called an illustrious career. I was a federal lobbyist on Capitol Hill in DC and I got to see how that sausage is made. And then from there, I went to the US Securities and Exchange Commission and I was investment counsel there when Enron blew up, for those of your listeners who remember Enron. And then from there, I changed hats and I went to a major law firm to their DC office. And my clientele were the big boys, um, you know, always me and men twice my age, whining and dining them. And it was there that I started to really give advice to other lawyers. They would come to me and say, hey, how'd you get that job? How'd you get promoted? And Susan, every job I had was because people would ask me to come interview. I was quite happy at all the jobs I had until somebody would come along and say, hey, do you want to interview? Come interview with us. So I would take people to lunch. I would take other lawyers to lunch because I didn't have time. And I would say, here's what I'm doing. Try it out and see if it works for you. And then I left the law firm life. My family had moved out here to Southern California and my dad was starting to get sick. So I went in house. So I literally have been around the entire legal community. Um, and it was it when I was in house and, you know, for lawyers, we think we've, you know, you know, hit the end of the road and we've come full circle and it's, we've got our cushy in-house jobs, but I was in-house and I was had direct reports and I had a great job, but it was the day I had spent 15 hours drafting a very small portion of the mutual fund prospectus. And none of you need to know anything more about that than just that. I went home, it was about nine o'clock at night that night and I opened my own mailbox and by happenstance, there was one of my own prospectuses and what did I do with it? Well, I reflexively threw it away because no one reads that stuff. And that's when I knew that this was not what I had set out to do. Um, my purpose was not to be a lawyer. I do not tell this story because I want other lawyers to stop practicing law. In fact, I think it's a noble profession and I think we need good lawyers. I just wasn't, it wasn't my purpose. Everyone has a purpose, it wasn't mine. And so I quit cold turkey two years before the recession. I said, I cannot do this anymore. Everyone thought I was nuts. I was pretty darn sure I was nuts too. 
but I just had to because no one was recreating themselves two years before the recession. And so long story short, I took a random, completely random community college course taught by none other than an ex-Harvard litigator, and um, he'd been Harvard trained. And he really taught me that we all have a natural talent and I found mine. And so I'm very left brain linear analytical, which makes me a very good business person and a good lawyer, but it's well balanced against my right creative brain. And so that makes me able to do what I do every day. 12 years later, I travel globally. Well, when we were traveling and now I just do it virtually, really training lawyers and organizations and employees and entrepreneurs on who they are and how to take that and create a brand that not only grows their business and leverages their employees well, but also allows people to bring their humanity to work and lowers stress, increases self-confidence and allows the business to flourish and communicate the brand message outward well to the right audience. So, oh my gosh, my jaw is dropped. I'm trying not to interrupt. I'm biting my tongue. You're so fascinating. I want to be you when I grow up. I'm telling you, you've done everything I've ever dreamed to do. Um, so yes, people do think that, you know, you've been in the firm, then you go in-house and you're going to ride that out. It's almost like you're, you're um, you, not easy path, but the predictable path, right? So you were like, none of that. I want passion. I want to, I want my, I want to find my ikigai. I always talk about. Yes, you know, ikigai. Oh yeah. I talk about it a lot on my show because I try to help women, especially find their ikigai or have the courage to go after that thing that they're passionate about, not just uh, be chained to the desk and the paycheck every two weeks, right? So yes. it is risky. You have to be risk tolerant. But when you were telling your story about your gifts in the left brain and right brain, I was like, wow, she's like Dan Pink's whole new mind personified. Oh, Dan, <laughs> I know him. I actually, we keynoted the same conference one year. We wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, he was a keynote at one of the companies where I worked at our annual meeting. So I'm a big fan as well. Um, but yeah, you're the, the book personified, you're, you're creative yet, you know, um, so, so we know people buy on emotion, but then when they find that data backs up their decision, they can exhale on the purchase, right? So they feel yeah. good about it. That's um, well said. I say it differently, but I like your version that works for me. Yeah. 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 Well, cause I teach communication theory, cognitive dissonance is one of the theories. So you eliminate that when you know that there's data to back it up and reason and logic so your brain has all of that going on from i'm sure uh, my guess is 24 7 right probably <laughs> yes you're probably yeah. i can't turn it off I can tell. I could tell you're one of those people. Look, you could text me at two in the morning. I'm doing something meaningful. I promise. <laughs> sleep, awesome. Yeah, sleep is is foreign to me. Um, I sleep when I need it, but the rest of the time I do what I need to do when I need to do it. So um, well, you're very fascinating. I literally was like, wow, she's done it all. Um, I'm very familiar with politics and the landscape and lobbyists and even in DC. My husband was a chief of staff in US Congress for um, the head of appropriations at one point in his career. He was an elected official. So the well, fact that you've you done, yeah, you've done, wow. Like you've lived the life. If I could have, you know, charted my course, um, 
you know, the, the, you are who I would want to be, right? So oh, amazing. Thank you. And you're pretty cool yourself. So that's a lot coming from you. This is the, the listeners are like, are these two going to stop talking about how they're going to need to go get a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're awesome. So I, I do, it's with purpose that I do not read about my guests beforehand, right? So I want to get to know you on the show. Um, and that's why I say, you know, send me your bio the day of, and I don't look at it until after I look at it until after, because I want to get to know you on the show. Well, you have done so much and clearly you found your passion, your ikigai, um, and you're, you can, you know, the world needs it. You're happy about it and you can get paid to do it. What has been your proudest professional accomplishment? I uh, truly believe, well, it, it's a twofold answer. And one was when I actually went to the Securities and Exchange Commission as a lawyer, that was my proudest accomplishment. Um, it was one of those goals that I'd always had for myself. And here's this little refugee girl, who's gonna hire her to work at the Securities Exchange Commission. And I gotta tell you, it was, it was truly a proud moment because I love this country and um, it was really a being of service and of value and working with brilliant people. But the second part of that is because I have two professions um, right now. Uh, honestly, I consider it my sacred duty what I do with professionals to really get them to see what you were talking about that 78% and upward of everything you and I buy is not based on content, but about how we feel about the service provider or the product. And the the what sells it that emotion that sells is happiness and really making professionals understand that hey the products industry has mastered this i need you to master this so you can live a happier life as a professional and get results whatever that is whether that's to be heard or to be seen or to have a promotion for women we struggle with that and men struggle too in their own different ways but it's always about their voice not coming out to the right audience so I, when I first started this career, I would hold my back then a Blackberry, if you remember those, Susan. I had one in financial <laughs> services. I would um, hold my Blackberry up to my husband with tears coming out of my eyes. And he'd be like, oh my God, not again. And it would be like these clients saying these things to me that I had never heard as a securities lawyer. They're like, you changed my life. It's remarkable. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea a human being had the capacity to be of service in this way. I, and it, maybe other lawyers got that feedback. I just never did, right? So, or maybe I had just found my stride and was living my purpose. So my biggest professional accomplishment is everything I do every day. I do because it makes a difference and it changes people's lives for the better. And that's my contribution. And I want everyone else to figure that out for themselves. Um, because it makes work so much easier. It's not work, right? If right. I believe that if you're doing what you love to do and you're serving the world uh, in a greater good, the money will come. The money will come. Oh, That's sure. Not, you know. um, but I am laughing about your Blackberry story. So I used to work at Dalbar and then State Street in Boston. So oh gosh, um, I, I used to use all those. Oh. I know. I know. So Dalbar would look at the prospectus and say, you know, well, MFS has a client base of an average age of 70. Why is the font seven point in this? prospectus. You know, so I would go over the communications they'd send out to, um, you know, financial advisors, as well as to retail investors. And so same world, uh, you know, I, I totally can see it, you holding the Blackberry. And um, 
What I love is the way you frame the narrative just now. You made it clear that the receiver makes meaning of your message. And for the client or whomever it was that you served so well, to send you feedback like that is so powerful. I mean, to me, that means more than the money, but I know we need our money to continue our work, our good work. Uh, but that's a powerful story right there. You're, you're clearly a storyteller because, you know, just saying Blackberry, I remember. <laughs> and I remember the difficulty transitioning from a Blackberry to an iPhone. I hated that touch screen, you know, right? Right? I I push know. those buttons. <laughs> I, know. I still miss my Blackberry. And it's funny what you say about being a storyteller. So as a lawyer, I was a transactional lawyer. No one asked me to speak, right? So the first time, and I've done a ton of work with the American Bar Association since then, um, um, I just recently got done chairing the entire ABA law practice division uh, two years ago. And then this year, uh, they gave me a year off for good service. <laughs> and this year, they asked me to chair the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging committee. But when I first was asked to speak, it was by the ABA. And I, said, wow. and I said, oh, I don't know. I'm not a speaker. They said, just go up there and tell your story. It's so interesting. And I was like, who wants to hear my story, right? All the objections my clients have now. Right. And I did. And I got off the stage and I said, I'm so sorry. Was that okay? And they're like, are you kidding? And I was like, I had no idea. That's where I found out I was a professional public speaker on top of it. So the, the iterations we go through as humans, if we just let it ride and try on something new, we find out so many cool things about ourselves that we never knew. And, and we listen to feedback, like you said, let other people tell you what's working and what's not, which is a huge part of my curriculum for my students. Agreed. Agreed. So what I love about the story you just told is that, um, you don't have to be scripted. You, in fact, it's better that you're authentic. You were Brene Brown before anybody knew who Brene Brown was or is. Um, owning your story and sharing it. That is what's so moving and compelling. And I really love to surround myself with other storytellers because we do color the world, right? So um, I, I just think it's fascinating because you were joking about, well, I don't know many lawyers that, that get that kind of feedback. It's not because... I mean, they don't, they don't. So a lot of lawyers don't have the courage to do what you just described. Am I correct? Yeah, well, yes. So I always tell all of my clients that I have deep respect for them because it does. Of course, of course. It takes courage to show up and say, hey, I'm ready to go from good to great. No one that shows up at my door is broken in any regard, but it takes courage to stop and say, I'm going to get off this proverbial hamster wheel and I'm going to stop and look at myself and I'm going to reevaluate what's working and what's not. And that's scary to, we can put on the blinders all day long, right? And so it takes a certain person. And I always tell that, I'm like, nope, you're not ready for this. You are, you're not. And people are like, how are you turning people away? I'm like, I just want people to have a wonderful experience. And it can be fun, but it takes you being at a certain point in your life where you're saying, I am ready for the next best thing because I have decided deep down that I'm worth it and I'm deserving. And look, Susan, these are things I'm always learning. Everything I sure. teach based on my own experience. And sometimes I do interviews and people are thinking, oh, she's got it all figured out. Heck no. You know, we teach what we're learning. That's the principle right. in life. And so I am just probably eight steps ahead of everyone that I teach because of the, the genesis of how things went. And I think that was the beautiful thing about the pandemic. Everyone at some point came to their senses. Is that a way to put it? I don't want to be offensive, but said- It was a, a, a level set. 
yes and said i'm going to look at this which is why i have been so busy since march 18th and i'm grateful to be part of people's really growth process but it's also a self-healing process sure um, you're embracing vulnerability as a strength not a weakness absolutely um, let me ask you this so i often used to say that you know litigators are really good in the courtroom at telling the story and creating um a narrative around the desired outcome right so they they use aristotle's enthymeme to get the jury to the place where they want them to go without telling them how to get there right so they guide them if you will gently um but when they leave the courtroom sometimes they're afraid to go into uh, a prospects or a client's a current clients and ask those questions and tell the same stories or reveal and unfold you know in front of others so i think that you're right no one who comes to you is broken but they may want to explore another part of themselves that's been untapped or maybe um they've been afraid to show so um i i i agree my husband's a litigator so you know he's got those same tendencies to you know present this as the best way forward and if it weren't the best way forward i wouldn't present it right so he's now learned to ask a lot of questions and listen more than he talks because when we listen we learn when we talk we don't and you know it's been a beautiful thing to watch like you use the phrase good to great i i see that in him what he's done and i can imagine you do that for your clients with your clients yes that's the goal anyway to really allow people to find that for themselves it is such a metamorphosis and a transformation uh, and I know people who don't know me, they're like, wow, she thinks really highly of herself. No, it's just, we all have that capacity to do that for others and to turn it into a living is just the icing on the, the cake or whatever the phrase is. That, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that works. really get to do that and be a part of people's lives that way and the level of trust they have for me uh, because yeah. you show up authentically. And that's really what I'm teaching people to do. I'm like, you can do this. I am not doing it for you. I can't get your results, but I am your biggest cheerleader and I will hold your hand. And look, I do have that left brain linear science behind me. So I did formal research at UCLA about a decade ago with a neuroscientist and my research plays into all of this, which makes it credible for people to take that next step. I found out there's a direct inverse correlation between stress and self-confidence. And if anybody wants this material, you can um, email me and get a copy of my research summary. But as stress goes up, self-confidence drops proportionally. And when that happens, you're not emotionally resonating with your audience. And we all have those stressors in our lives and the pandemic just added another layer to it. And so but when you're not emotionally resonating with your audience, that's the problem, right? Your yeah, no connection. Through. Yeah, no connection. And people are numb to it. And to your point about litigators, anybody really, people always ask me, Do, does all of this really belong in business? I'm like, the human side is what makes business work. The business brand does not exist without- Correct. Wow. Say that again the the i don't know what i said but the human side is what makes business work yes the human side is definitely what makes business work and people are like well can't we just work on my business brand and i'm like that business brand doesn't exist without the foundation of your personal brand and the next employee's personal brand because i can't connect emotionally with a logo and a building and a hollow value-based promise and a website you know everyone throws right 
I love everything you're saying. So you've just described the difference between uh, the old school hierarchical leadership and transformational leadership where EQ is is a big part of the success in the journey. Um, you're right, a brochure never built a relationship, a, a website never connected to, you know, uh, to, to humans in a meaningful, empathic way, right? Yeah. Um, I love what you're talking about. Uh, I, I'm glad I didn't check you out before because you know I probably would have pinged you and 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 bugged you about lots of having lots of questions of my own. So <laughs> I'm happy to have discussions with everyone. You it's bet. Fun, right. I always say curious brands win. When we're not curious, we cut out a lot of the judgment. Or we when we're curious, we cut out a lot of the judgment. That's and right. That's right. doesn't allow people to flourish. And so in my DEI training, I always say curiosity is the greatest tool. And and those who say tolerate differences, I don't like that. I think that's not a good uh, way to be. Right. Yeah. You need to embrace and be curious about and 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 celebrate differences, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, speaking of that, a good segue to my next question. Um, you're very inspirational. I, I have chills and that's, it takes a lot to get me. I mean, I know a lot of this stuff that you're talking about, you're spot on. And it's amazing that you've done everything you've done. Um, who inspired you? Cause you're inspiring me. I wanna know who inspired oh, you. Wow, that's a really good question. I really had to sit and think about that. So I have to say, I've had some fantastic mentors in my life and I still do like really super successful people that have started public companies that you and I know, um, but I never throw around their names because I don't know, I just feel like it's a personal relationship I have with them. And some of them are in the US and some of them are abroad, but I've been blessed to have people that have said what you said, you were like on it and you're inspiring, let us mentor you. But the real inspiration, honestly, as I sit and think about it, and it may sound cheesy and corny, are my clients. Like, you know, a business is not profitable at first, right? And you don't see the results. I'm very spiritual. And I really believe in the spiritual tenet that if you just keep doing it, you're not going to see the results, but it's the faith that's important. And that's not religious based. It's what Martin Luther King said. Faith is taking that first step without seeing the whole staircase. So you know, I have a saying about that. It's when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And not yeah. my saying, I think Buddha said it, but <laughs> I like to repeat that because that's what you're saying. It's not always having everything figured out first, right? Exactly. You just take that first step. And so my students really inspire me. They're clients. They're really not students, but at a level they are because the teacher appears. And that's been my life's journey. I've learned from so many people and I learned from everyone, but the inspirational people are the people that were brave and, and really black sheep and pioneers, which is what people label me as, which is humbling, but, and I'm not putting myself in these people's category at all, but the Martin Luther Kings and the Mother Teresas and the Gandhis who really um, took a whole different view. And I call it choosing to see things differently based on my spiritual training, that they saw life and saw people from a different vantage point and they weren't afraid to say, let's try something new because we want humanity to be better. And so every client that shows up is saying that. And those are the people that inspire me. They're listening. Well, you're listening with empathy and not judgment. And I'm sure that, um, you know, like these leaders that you've just mentioned, 
you you live in service to others. So I think that's beautiful. Well, let me ask you, what about women? What do women do or what should women do to help lift one another up, maybe support other women in business? I love that question. Uh, I was, I'd like to quote Judy Perry Martinez, who was president of the ABA last year. We were at a conference uh, and it was a very small group of women at this particular section of this conference that she was addressing. And she said, don't pull the ladder up. So I love when you get to the top, don't pull the ladder up. I love that. So wow, what a vivid image that's in my head now that you've said that. That has so so I've been around I worked in, uh, you know, one the world's largest custodian when I was in my 20s, in the 90s, and in order to be successful, I had to mimic the men. And that's not okay. I'm saying we should all get together and create a new operating system. So when you say, don't pull the ladder up. That is so powerful. Because when I was practicing law, I was so confused, Susan. I thought my identity was around being a lawyer. And it took me a good seven years to clear that out of my system. And those seven years were where I built my own brand and took all my content and material and put it into digestible format for others. So they wouldn't have to go through the pain and trauma I went through. Because during that period of time when I was practicing, I used to strap down my chest and wear a pantsuit and pretend like I was a guy. Yeah. Left me very inauthentic, right? And very hollow experience. And I wasn't able to perform optimally either. So that's where imposter syndrome comes from when we're pretending to be something we're not. So with other women, please um, really stop and think about that no one is your competition. Everyone's complimentary to you. And I teach this, I go in depth in this in brand development that we're in a community and we're not anti-men by no means, but if mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy. So uh, supporting other women. <laughs> well, it's my, true. My so, husband and son say that all the time. Well, you know, my client base used to be 50%. It still is 50% men, 50% women. But, you know, I've gotten to a point where I really love working with the women. And I was telling my own coach, I'm like, I'm really feeling bad about that. And she said, please don't, because when you teach the women, then women will naturally go and teach the men because I don't want to leave anybody out. And I love my male clients, but there's a certain truth to that, that I was really afraid to align with my women clients because I was worried that I was going to be perceived as a male basher or that I was picking sides or picking my favorite child, right? And um, it's none of that. When we support other women, we're not building poor allies. We're just saying, I see you, I hear you. And yes. um, what can I do to support you? Because emotionally, it comes back around, spiritually it comes back around. It's just about doing in that moment what your heart tells you rather than what you think you should be doing. You are speaking my language. Um, you know, before my husband asked me to marry him, we had a conversation and I mentioned the importance of connections emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, and then physically, right? So it, 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 I'd never heard anyone, you know, I think because you've done some spiritual work that you, you speak that way. I do too. Um, and he said that. He said those words without my prompting. Those are the things that are most important to me, the connection at those four levels. And when he said those four things, I knew this was the person for me. So I love that you speak. Um, I think you're spiritually mature and you're able to use those gifts and, that you've worked so hard to obtain in the work that you do with, in, a, in, a, in a world that's considered rather, uh, I don't know, root chakra. You know what I'm saying? Yes, um, yeah. 
So I'm glad that you had the courage to break out and break free and then share your highest and best self with others, especially in the legal community where so many as brilliant as they are operate out of fear. And so you're giving them permission to embrace their whole selves and bring that person to, to each day. What has been a challenge or setback that you've overcome and how? Wow. Well, I think just shifting to the second career was a challenge and every day it's a challenge. It is not easy running a small business, especially in California. I mean, California is not business, small business friendly at all. Here, here. Uh, Right. (laughs) So uh, there have been so many challenges, but I have to look at them as I look at everything in my life is just with curiosity. So it was so difficult changing careers. I am not going to belittle that to anyone. And you just have to take as Mike Dooley, who um, is a fantastic speaker says baby steps, take those baby steps and just believe in yourself when no one else has to, because it's, it's really where it's at. So getting here today, um, financially, it was difficult because I had left all that money on the table and my sweet, wonderful husband still supported me, even though he was like, oh my God. And, you know, (laughs) having that support network. I hear you. (laughs) My husband, here's your husband. (laughs) It was difficult because, you know, you have a feeling in your heart and you have a vision, but you're afraid to say it. And you're afraid to say it to yourself, much less to anybody else, because you think they'll think you're crazy but it just stop and think that if you don't do it you'll never know you're amazing you're really amazing let me ask you um what is something surprising that you can tell my audience that maybe your friends know um maybe they don't Oh, you know, I'm, uh, I love, everyone who knows me knows, including my poor husband, that I'm a really healthy eater. Like we're doing the medical medium cleanse right now. And, you know, I'm just a super healthy eater, but I love pizza. And if I could eat pizza today, <laughs> I would, and I would wash it all down with a giant bar of chocolate, dark chocolate, uh, <laughs> So I'm a kind of woman. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm a dark chocolate pizza foodie and a beer. Like I used to be a delicate, dainty wine drinker. And then living in San Diego all these years, I became a craft beer, just slash beer addict. My husband sometimes is like, and you don't even drink the good stuff. You'll just drink any beer. I'm like, (laughs) I just feel fun to drink beer. So that's, that's, you know, I have to say, so um, I'm a Navy family. My husband was a, a Navy 06. And we would go to, uh, and my nephew, they live in Coronado. So they're Navy too. Uh, We would go to the Coronado Brewing Company and my husband, actually, I was going to say you're my kind of woman, but when you said beer, I'm like, no, that's Mike, not me. My husband is beer pizza and he could live on that like that. And he still runs every day. He's thin, he's healthy. Um, So next time we go down to San Diego, where we do visit quite frequently, I'll have to uh, hook up with you and your hubby and have one of those try one of your um, craft beers. I would love that. That would be fun. You bet. You bet. Well, you're so much fun. So I'm sure people will want to know more. I think you have, do you have a webinar coming up or some kind you want to talk about that a little bit? Thank you for allowing me to good timing. So I do these webinars, I get requests from lawyers to put together these webinars, educating them on these concepts. And so I have one coming up 
Uh, it's a two-part webinar. I call it the Lawyer's Money Miracle Branding Webinar, and it's literally just valuable content. So it's, it's two parts. On Wednesday, October 14th, we start with two hours, 11 a.m. Pacific to 1 p.m., and I give them Thursday the 15th off to take the learning and because it's all experiential learning apply it come back with their questions and then friday october 16th for another hour we regroup and um, we go through content again and we answer questions and a real community forms around that and it's educational and inspiring so um that's coming up and i will have the link for you so you can share it with your audience where they can register for free and then the other um gift I have is I went and I made a three-step guide called Branding Made Easy because people are always trying to go from invisible to profitable with a fantastic brand. And I just really share in that free uh, Branding Made Easy guide. These are This is what I did to start my brand. And this is what I still do to this day. And so that's available also. And I will send you the link for that as well to share with your audience as my gift to you guys. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to put all of this in the blog and folks, I'll have it up by tomorrow morning. You'll be able to go to my website or check out LinkedIn where I will tag you and you can share with your audience as well. Um, you're amazing. And this has been delightful and just wow. Right. So I feel like you've touched on things I don't normally talk about. Um, and I love it. You know, you've given people permission to be their authentic selves. And I love guests who do that. So oh, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate everything. Uh, I, I appreciate your wisdom, Susan. You, you're a woman of the world as well. And I have to tell you, you and I were connected for this podcast, but I am a huge fan of Wonder Woman. And if, if we're talking about inspirational leaders, um, just the whole character, I have an entire wall in my, in my office, in our suite that's devoted nice. to Nice memorabilia that clients get me as we go along. So I forgot to say That's the name. That's so great. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how we connected. I forgot to give everyone the name of the website link. It's um, puristconsulting.com, www.p-u-r-i-s, like Sam, consulting.com. And I'll put that in the blog as well. Uh, one quick thing, since you mentioned BlackBerry, I'm sure you knew Linda Carter as Wonder Woman, right? Yes, uh, beautiful Linda Carter. So beautiful. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's so nice chatting with you and sharing your um, gifts and skills, not just your skills, but your gifts. I mean, a lot of people have skills, but you have gifts. Um, so thank you for sharing that with me and with my audience. And I look forward to posting. Why don't you send me um, not just your headshot and bio and the links to your website and your webinars, but also if it's if you're up to it, send a few pictures that tell the story of you when you're not working. Like, who are you outside of nine to five or you know, I, I know that you're working 24 seven. I can tell that about you. Uh, <laughs> These days I am because it's what people want and what they need. And so shame on me if I didn't, but yeah. I love it. You're living the ikigai. Yeah, I will do that, Susan. Thank you. Awesome. For well, have a good day, everybody. And thank you for listening in. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.